This episode of the Badass Ladies Club is sponsored by Badass Retreats. It's time to make your healing a priority. Find out more at www.blcbadassretreats.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the Badass Ladies Club. My name is Jessica. I'm here with my bestie, Laurie. Hey, what's up, friends? Um, thank you so much for joining us this week. We are so, 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 so grateful. If you would ever so kindly follow us on Instagram at the Badass Ladies Club. Um, we're working on TikToks, so we have one of those at Badass Ladies Club. We're on Facebook, Badass Ladies One Word Club. We have all the socials. If you could give us a follow, find us. We'd love to have you. And we really like those five-star reviews. They're really awesome. They're They're my fave, actually. Yeah, Yeah. we really like them. Our podcast continues to grow, and that is impossible without your help. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all the support. Um, We are so grateful. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit about empathy and realizing what's yours and what's not. And I think that that's like such a, uh, a subject that's like at the forefront, especially after the past two years of what we've been going through. I think that, um, well, I think that everyone could probably, you know, relate to this topic or need it in some way. But especially if you are um, a working individual and you have like a lot of things coming at you from different personalities. Right. Yeah. If you get out of bed and function in the world, this is probably important for you. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a, um, yeah. What's so interesting to me about empathy is that it's really necessary if you're going to be like a human being in today's world is to like look at things from someone else's perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And um, empathize with where they're coming from based on what they are working with, not on what you're working with. And at the same time, a big part of this episode is like, when you're naturally empathetic, that you have to do that consciously so you're not absorbing other people's energetic baggage and then trying to go about your day trying to figure out why things feel so heavy and weighed down, you know? So, like... Right. Like, have you ever gone through a day and been like, God, why... What is this funk? What's going on? What's up with the world? Yeah. Yeah. um, Um, It could be that you're picking up different energies from different people that you're not even realizing. Totally. Um, We haven't even talked about this. I guess maybe we've talked about this a little bit. So I'm working with Taylor Nick right now on my human design. Oh, fun. I want to do it. You absolutely want to do it. And she and I are in conversation about her coming on the podcast. Please, Um, Taylor Nick. Oh, my God. In alignment with her human design, you know, she has this thing that's called like an emotional authority, which means before she commits to things, she has to like sleep on it, feel into it, you know, like emotionally, when we talked about it, her answer was immediately yes. But she was like, and sometimes I need to sit with things, you know, like, 
to really make sure that it's resonating. And I was like, God, you're such like a paragon of example (laughs) where she takes her design into so many different factors. All of this to say, I got off task. I have a, what's called an undefined emotional uh, energy center. So in all of my human design, I've all, all of my centers are defined except for two. And one of the two that's not is this emotional authority thing, which basically means if I'm emotional and I'm feeling heavy emotions, they are 100% not mine. Pretty much always. If I am having a huge emotional surge, it is because I am absorbing that from an external source and claiming it as my own. Which That's is big. kind of rocking my world right yeah. now to understand this about myself. Um, Are you like reflecting back on every emotional breakdown yes. you've ever had and been like, what was that? What <laughs> was that? And at the same time, makes things really clear to me too. You know, like that I, because I feel like I'm a pretty um, emotionally intelligent person anyways, but that you're might just be. You're a cancer. Right. That's your thing. However... Knowing that I have a completely undefined emotional authority, I am noticing now that like I am pretty mellow when it comes to like um, reactions, mm-hmm. and that if I have a strong emotional reaction to something, it usually is in tandem with the energies that are around me. So, like if you're pissed about something, I'm pissed about something, or if somebody's like super super emotional and upset, like I'm upset with them, and that. This whole conversation about us, like, talking about conscious empathy, I'm, like, in the, you know, depths of understanding how overly empathetic I am and that when emotions are running away with me, that those are things that I need to really check myself on and be aware that, like, I'm super sensitive to other people's emotions That's so interesting to me because, I mean, I don't know. I'd probably have to sit with it and really think back on it, but I don't see you that way at all. Well, well, that's the other crazy thing about human design is like other people's perceptions of you versus what you think about you is so fascinating. But tell me more. Well, because I feel like I'm the kind of person like I have to be dramatic about something for a minimum of 10 minutes before I calm down about Uh it. And I know this about myself. I know that if I just have the emotional outburst and the dramatic, you know, performance just for at least 10 minutes, then I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I'm a normal human being again. And it's okay. I feel like whenever I feel very, very strongly about something, you are always cool, calm and collected. Yeah. Always. Because I'm emotionally dead inside, basically. Right. By I mean, <laughs> like, whenever I'm really on fire mm. about something or if I'm, you know, if I have a really strong opinion about, I don't know, like, something that one of our friends is going through and I'm like, but I know better, Laurie. <laughs> You're like, no, you don't. Let's just love them through it and be cool. I'm like, no, I will not. Like, I so... And maybe it's because like you and I have been so close for so long that you're just really good at recognizing that around me. Um, but yeah, so I don't. Well, this is what I'm I don't feel though. like you pick up on my outbursts and that could just be a uh, you block it with me. Well, thing. no, I don't think that's it. I think it's also like not in the immediate moment. 
Uh, because if I do roll back, like if, and I'm just trying to think of things that are recent because it's fresh on my memory, you know, like that when you're upset about something and I can remain really calm about it in the moment and then you go home. Yeah. Then I cry about it, you know, like Mm. that it's, and so I just think that it's like, but, and that that's not just with you, like that's with lots of people, you know, or just with the world at large, you know, so I'll something will come across my social media feed and I'll see, cause you know, I've like on purpose had my head in the sand on the news and all right, the right, happenings right. in the world. Um, but I'll come across something and I'll see it and it'll be upsetting, you know, and I won't have an immediate reaction to it. But like three hours later, I'm like raging about it, you know, You're like, you really yeah, totally <laughs> like, and this is like the, um, the interesting thing about learning how I don't have this emotional authority. And I was That's like, wow, so interesting. Would Laurie. have never thought that about myself. Okay. But well, I now have I to know. contact Taylor Nick now yes. and get on her books so for my human exciting. design. Um, we're deprogramming me next. I'm looking forward to that. Oh my so, God. Yeah. I want to, yes, let's do that. Except that this is not an episode about, okay, well, so we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about that, too. that with Taylor next yeah, later. Taylor comes around. Um, so empathy. I loved this concept that Kathy Heller worked with when we were in made to do this a couple of years ago about like the world needs more radical empathy. Mm-hmm. And she was coming at it from this, um, how do you structure and build an offer that connects with people, you know, and you don't do it always based on like, Oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. You like think about what the world needs. Right. And what breaks your heart and what are you crazy passionate about? You know, like speaking about delivering and having this radical empathy for what your audience needs. And that from that space, you can create really amazing offers that will change the world and support and help people and make you feel really great at the same time. And so, and you know, I always thought about empathy as this idea of like, you were just really good at um, like supporting other people or, you know, I think a lot about when people are going through something difficult, like how many people helped me when my house burned down. Mm-hmm. And that that took a lot of empathy from others to think about what it would be like to just like have all of your things gone, you know? And then in turn, I'm super empathetic of people that are going through that, you know, because I've been through that and that empathy is this thing where it is so much about the other person and not about you, which is why I think some of us, it it's why it's such a toxic trait, even if you intend for it to be good, you know, is that, being so empathetic that you're constantly putting yourself in someone else's shoes about how they feel. And then you back that up with so much of the codependent tendencies that we all have to like want to fix it or to want to do something to make it easier for them. You know, that that style of empathy is kind of opposite of our whole, like, this is what it means to hold space. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to try and fix it for you, but I am going to hold this space for you to be where you need to be and feel how you need to feel. And, you know, like just sit with you in the discomfort if that's what I'm supposed to do. And so I love the conversation about conscious empathy because it can go too far, you know, to the point where it is 
hurtful and damaging for you and also is not doing the person any good that you're trying to be empathetic with, you know, like it's only, um, making a bad situation (laughs) worse, you know? Right. Because then it almost turns into this like misery loves company situation and that's not good for anybody. So let's focus it first of all, just on like what we know, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about empathy and conscious empathy behind the chair or in your spa room or in your makeup service. service. Yeah. Or if you are like a counselor, a therapist, anybody that does support, if you're a nurse, if you're, you know, like if you hold space and you support other humans in any way, um, how this empathy conversation comes into play, because you're, we talk a lot about like auras and energy and stuff, you know, but like in the salon world, you've got like this five by five space mm-hmm. that is your chair that you're standing in that your energy field is like enmeshed with the person that you're working on, whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not, whether you believe in it or not, you are doing energetic work with people when you're in this space. And so before you were super aware of your own energy and what it meant to like absorb other people's energies, how did that manifest for you working behind the chair? Like, can you think back to draining? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) totally. Um, Yeah. So when I think back before I was like super aware of energy, um, the energetic vampires of the world, if you will, um, like really significantly affected my day before they even walked through the door. I mean, even in preparing for it, I would be like, fuck, you know, (laughs) like I don't want to do this. Um, yeah, that it, it was just extremely draining and, um, sometimes just heartbreaking, you know, um, because even though I wasn't aware of energy, I would try to empathize with what these people were going through, but I didn't know how to like not hold what wasn't mine. So if someone had, whether it was by my estimation or not something to really be upset about, um, it, it was really hard to not, um, take that in, even though I knew that I didn't really have the space for it. Um, but I felt like that was just part of it. And that's what I signed up for. And that's part of the job when really it's not. And um, I have obviously learned over the years how to realize what's mine and what's not. And that someone could tell me whatever they're going through and that having the power to hold that space and to have conscious empathy is like, so powerful because now I can have a day where women come in and they could tell me, I don't know that they had a death in the family, that someone suffered a miscarriage. I mean, these are conversations that you have to understand hairstylists go through daily, daily, all the time, several times a day, you know, um, they're getting a divorce. They're 
kids are assholes. They're, you know, like whatever it is. Um, and I can sit there with them and be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so sorry. And when they leave, I'm like, okay. Rather than before I was wrecked for the day. It's so interesting because just the term holding space comes to this idea that you hold space for it, but you don't let it um, bleed into your space. Yeah. You know, like that this space is on the outside of me and I'm holding it for you for whatever it is that's going on that's coming out of you. But then I can consciously release it and not let it absorb into my energy field. And I feel like talking about like auras and energetic fields and spaces and that kind of thing before I started working with it so much seemed like such a foolish, oh, you think that's going to do something for you to just imagine, you know, like, Mm -mm, mm -mm. and it will change your life to be like, I'm holding space, especially with the energy vampires, Mm -hmm. because there are people in my life that aren't going to not be in my life. You know, like there are people that are there and that I choose to have there always and forever. That I have to be super aware of my ability to hold space for them on the outside of my energy field. Um, And that a lot of times it's way hard. It's almost easier at work, you know, like, but then we get into like Like family and friends and these kinds of things where they're like people who are really intimate to your world. Right. And also because I'm learning this thing about my emotional, you know, like center being undefined that I got to be hella careful about people that I am super intimate with, you know, like in my world to not allow their energetic situations to become mine. Because I can see in the past where I've like held on to this stuff so tightly um, that, yeah, like it was wrecking my mental health to mm-hmm. hold on to things that a like one thing about absorbing other people's energetic drama is that you can't do anything about it right. like literally it drove us to drink Laura. Yeah, i mean a lot a lot <laughs> we were drinking yeah. a lot and that if you're so worked up and upset about something that you have zero control over which is somebody else's you know like energy in the first place that's you're trapped You know, like you're trapped in this chaos space that you can't do anything about. And so if you think about like, yeah, you have the personal relationships, the family and friends that, you know, like energy seeps in that way. And then you have work situations where you're working with people and energy seeps in that way. And then you are on the highway. Like that's a collective energy, you know, like thing where people are like, angry or speeding or cutting you off or whatever, or they're like uncertain and scared and not sure where they're going. And like that there's, so there's like these really intimate close energies. And then there's these like work energies. And then there's these like big collective energies that we work with. Um, And then definitely watch TV, be on social media, get involved in news cycle. Like all of these things are coming at your energetic field. And even if you are crazy conscious of it, and aware all the time, these things still seep in. And I am fascinated by this idea that like all you have to do to release some of this stuff is just identify it and call it out and be like, hmm, what is that about? Yeah, you awareness know, like, is key, right? And that's, is this even mine? No, it's not mine. Okay, well then go on, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't need you here. And that 
um, acknowledging some of these feelings and emotions that feel heavy or that feel upsetting or that feel, you know, like stressful and just acknowledging the fact that that's probably not your energy at all and that you don't have space for it in your field. So you're going to move it on out is the trick to overcoming a lot of these things that like just passively leak their way into your energetic space. Um, curious. So when you talk about your energetic field and your aura, like, um, and I'll just say it from like my perspective and how I walk through the world every day now being an energy worker and being aware of things. I, I'm not as good as Laurie, y'all. I don't stop it. Meditate every single day, stop it. even though I try. <laughs> um, but sometimes I just really love sleeping more than I love meditating. So, um, but whether I meditate or not, I do have a conscious like bubble around mm-hmm. me, my aura, if you will. Mine personally is gold. Nice. <laughs> um, and it is literally like a warm, glowing light of love, protection, and it's literally like if something comes at me, it can bounce off. Like, I mean, it's almost like, you know, Wolverine in there where I'm like, nope, like, <laughs> yes. don't don't come at me with that um, to the point where even and you guys may have heard me mention this on an episode or two ago, but I was recently on a flight um, that was extremely scary right. that for a minute there, I wasn't sure if. I was going to make it safely. Um, Literally had a moment of, I may die here. Um, People were throwing up everywhere. The turbulence was so bad. It was hot in there. It smelled, it was was terrible. Um, And all I could do was just concentrate on my aura. Um, Even though I was in the middle seat, I was sandwiched between two people. that I just, and even though my aura included them, I was like, well, guys, you're in it with me. You know, yeah. that I just imagined this warm, glowing, protective bubble and just felt like I am loved. I am infinitely protected. This is okay. And as much as hearing and seeing people, I mean, people were crying. Yeah. It, was, it was so upsetting. People were crying because I think everyone thought we were going to die. Um People were crying, throwing up. I, it was terrible. And like, I almost felt like I was going to get sick, but I was just like, nope. And like, had it bounce off. And so even something like that. So I guess circling back to my original question, (laughs) do you make that conscious effort? Like with your energetic field and aura? Oh yeah. And it's maybe not as, um, Like, I have this visualization where I, like, trace the circle around me, but then the best way I can explain it is, like, it changes from, like, a circle to a sphere Mm -hmm. or, you know, like, where it moves in all directions. So, in front of me and behind me and diagonal on both sides of me. Right, so it's like a 3D object rather than, like, a... In my vision, it looks like, you know, when people go to space camp and they get in those big like circle things and it like spins them all over Mm -hmm. the place. Like that's what it looks like, you know, like when I'm moving it all around me. Mine is always different colors every time I do it. Gold is usually in there somewhere. Um, 
And I've been making a really steady practice of like zipping myself up in it, kind of like I'm zipping myself up in a, a sleeping bag mm. where I like trace around the outside of it and I start to find little like punctures or kinks or cracks, you know, and where things are seeping in, you know, and like I'm really mindful to fix that stuff, you know, and heal it up. And I do this daily, but probably not like, I don't do it first thing in the morning like you do. That might be helpful if I did that like laying in bed. Um, usually the first time I think about it is the first time I start to feel ick from somewhere. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, what is that? You know, and then get really conscious of it. I definitely do it before I go into crowds or if I'm in a uh, any kind of situation as I'm walking into a situation where I'm feeling like anxiety about it, you know, like, so mine tends to be, and then I obviously do it before I start working. So like if I'm doing sessions with people or mm -hmm. I'm doing energy work with people, like it's part of my, okay, I'm going to work process, you know, that I go into. But the, idea of like puffing out your aura and making it really big and strong and aware. I noticed I've been doing this a long time, even before I started doing a lot of energy work because I was, I used to date this guy in the military and I was, you know, 19 and 20 and barely 21 when I was hanging out with this guy and he was in force protection. And so his like whole job was teaching people to be aware of their circumstances and um, project this feeling or this vibration of like, uh, don't fuck with me or I'll kill you, you know, like kind of vibe. And because I was a young girl, you know, like he felt very obligated to like teach me how to project this energy of I'll cut your throat, you know, like go ahead and come at me because I will kill you. And it was so funny because at the time I thought it was always really weird. But as I've gotten older, that projection or that vibration that I was able to set when I felt in a threatening situation or when I was in circumstances that were like not safe for me, that has saved me. And what he was teaching me to do was puff out my aura, albeit in a very aggressive way, you know, like and I don't do it like that unless I have to now, you mm -hmm. know. But that steady vibration that I have of I'm infinitely protected and if you come at me, you don't want a piece of this, you know, like is um, a way of moving your energetic field out so people get this sense of, no, I'm not going to mess with that girl, you know. And it's so interesting because now a lot of times when I puff out my aura, it's more of like an invitation mm -hmm. for people who are in alignment and in a vibrational space where I am that I invite you in, you know, like that I want to connect with you. Um, but it works both ways. And you can think about people in your life who are kind of like shut down, standoffish or really aggressive or threatening, you know, like everybody has a vibe in their energetic field that they're putting off. And I love this idea that like even people I love if you're having a bad day and your energy is like not jamming with me, I'm probably just not going to be hanging out with you that day for some reason. Something's going to come up, you know, like there's going to be a reason why we are 
attracted to or deflected from one another. And that I super trust that because my energy is set in this space where I know what I'm willing to allow in and what I'm not willing to allow in. And like you said, these things just kind of bounce off of you, you know, like when you set that intention. So we have a friend, for example, who has talked to us about this before, where, um, so she stays at home, she works from home, and she has talked to us about, like, um, not being able to, um, like, not absorb her husband's energy Mm -hmm. when he comes home from work. And she said, like, I almost think it happens, like, while we're sleeping. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've tried having the conversation of like your aura, your protective field. Um, And so I I don't know if I'm just not explaining it right, but like what advice do you have like in that situation when you're with your significant other? I mean, well, that's really hard. That's really hard because you're sleeping together in the same bed. It's not even the physical part of it though, the being close. It is that you, when you're married, or when you're in but an you're intimate, intimate relationship on all with someone, levels. yeah, like that. It doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries, though. Like, of course, I have really strict boundaries with Aubrey on a lot of different fronts, right? And those are harder to keep with somebody that you are inviting into a relationship to operate that closely together. It, it's taken a lot of work on my codependent tendencies and my ability to want to fix things for him that sometimes are not mine to fix. Like if Aubrey's in a mood because he's having a moment or whatever, like this is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. I can empathize with him. Okay. I can totally see that he is stressed. He is upset about something. He's processing it. Right. And I can hold space for the fact that that's what he's going through. And maybe that means he needs a little extra love, or maybe that means he needs space. Right. Or maybe that means I should just go make dinner, you know, like, and let him do what he needs to do and support him in these other ways, you know, that I am used to supporting him. But what it does not mean is that I am going down with the ship. I will not absorb that frustration from him because I know that he's in his process that doesn't mean I have to be in his process with him, you know, Beautifully said. Um, and that that is 22 years in on a relationship that I'm saying this. Okay. Right, like right. probably for 18 years of that 22 years, I was not good at separating like that. And it made things trickier and it made me um, less of a whole human mm-hmm. <laughs> to be so, Uh, volatile like that because especially as you know women and wives and girlfriends and all of it like that we want so much to complete each other and be the thing that when you've had a hard day you can come home to me and I'll make it all better you know and like that is just not the way that energy in the world work like I want the kind of relationship where we can both be whole humans independently Mm -hmm. and have a really great life together but sometimes that means that we have to all the time. That means we need to have our energies separate. So that way we're together because we choose to be and not because we're so intertangled with each other. Right. That it's, it's that enmeshment. Like, that, right. <clears throat> that makes it hard. Um, that, yeah. We need to be totally aware of with our significant others. And that it's also kind of an ego thing, right? Where I trust Aubrey. I trust that he can manage his own emotions, that he can 
do what he needs to do to look out for himself, right? And for me to want to like get up in his energetic space like that and play victim to it, you know, and go down the rabbit hole with him means that I don't think he can handle his own business. And I do, you know, like, and so in trusting him as a whole human, it allows me to still have my space, you know, and it's okay for him to brood about it and be upset. And for me to go read a book on the other side of the house, like that's cool, you know? And, and but again, I don't want it to sound like that. That's easy. Like right. nearly 20 years we were together <laughs> before I got really, really good at that idea. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. That's um, way better said than me being like, girl, just work on your aura. Have it bounce off of you. It's fine. <laughs> you know what else I think is interesting though, about this conversation. And we've talked about this. I, I'll go so far as to say I'm kind of noodling on some kind of like offer or training or something about this is this idea that like just to work on your aura and to focus on your own energy is kind of this idea of like, okay, so you're just going to be like this whole human on your own. Right. And that sometimes we don't like the whole human that we are. Mm -hmm. So this conversation of like, well, just work on your own aura or just like focus on your own stuff or whatever. For so many of us, like we don't like what we find when we come home to ourselves and we're just working on our own business and what that means about us, which is why it's so much easier to look at everybody else's shit and to help you with your problem and help you with your problem and let me get involved in your thing, you know, and then I don't have to look at what's going on with me. And I know from my own journey, so much of what makes what's made me feel so much better about life is that I'm not being responsible for other people's emotional baggage. You know, it doesn't mean I'm not holding space for them and being there for them, but I'm being there for me first. And that I had to look at a lot of things about myself that I was not in love with and start to figure out how to fall in love with these things. Like what needs to shift and change. So I do want to focus on my own aura. So I do mm -hmm. want to focus on what it means to be a whole human for myself. And that's keeping me very busy, <laughs> you know, like that. I, yeah, no yeah. Kidding. you know, and that's a good point just because I mean, obviously I've never always loved everything about myself and I don't know if I even do at this moment, but I think I love the idea of loving the broken pieces, Yes, you know, and that it's okay. And this is what I have to work with this, um, you know, flesh suit that I'm living in is like what I have to work with. This brain that I have is what I have to work with. Um, and I don't know. So maybe it just is, you know, and I could be speaking from a place of privilege in this case, just because you and I have been in a position to be able to invest in ourselves, um, maybe in a way that other people haven't, but I just feel like it was gradually then suddenly mm. this awareness that, um, I don't have to love every part of me. Um, but that this is what I have to work with. So let's just fucking do it, you know? And so for me to sit there and say, 
like, oh, it's just so easy to work on my aura. Like for whatever reason, it just is because I think that I just like succumb to this realization of like, well, this is my life. So here we go. You know, you know what I've been seeing a lot of that's reminding me of what you're saying, <laughs> but it's totally opposite of what you're saying. Oh, my gosh, this is so complicated. <laughs> This conversation about like, I'm done trying to work on myself. This is just who I am and I'm accepting it, you know, like that there's there's so much resistance to the idea of looking at things of yourself that you're like, yeah, I'm not in love with that. Okay. But that doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. Right. All it means is that you're moving into more of what you're not. So like when I see things about myself and I'm like, ooh, I don't, I don't think I like the way that that feels. All that means is that I'm moving further into my truth and like learning who I'm not. And so if I'm acting like that, there's there's something there. Right. There's a nugget there that I need to move into, that I need to work with, that I need to figure out. Well, yeah. Um, and we need to normalize like that awareness of, oh, this is who I am and what I've been doing. And I need to work on that. Yeah. And I don't like, know if I'm just into that. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just my, the episode that I did with Katrina Wu for the inspired mindset podcast came out last week. And so I listened to it. It's so funny. Like we recorded that months ago, but it was exactly what I needed to hear on the day <laughs> that I listened to it. And a lot of the one thing that I said to her that was funny, because, you know, she's like, 15 episodes into her podcast and we're like 80 something episodes, yeah. you know, like into our podcast was that this funny thing happens when you podcast um, where you change and then there is uh, proof of who you were yeah. <laughs> over a year ago, you know, like um, that people can go back and listen to, you know, whenever they want to. And that sometimes I don't do it a lot, but when I do go back and listen to old episodes, I barely recognize the girl that was talking a year and a half ago. Like, and that part of me could be really embarrassed about that or ashamed about that. But instead, I love that girl. I told Katrina, I'm inspired by that girl. Yeah. I am so inspired by like how it's a straight chronological progression of who I'm becoming. And that really there's nothing in like so, and I told her, I was like, so go back and listen. Like a year from now, I want you to come back and listen to like episode two or episode three and be so proud of like who you are now, you know, and that that's not a shame based thing. Like it's really brave to look at these things about yourself and be like, hmm, yeah, I don't like the way that that feels. And what can I do to move into it, to lean into it? Yeah. To really love on that person that's clearly like struggling and working with something there. Um, so like improving your energetic boundaries and being more clear about like what you're willing to absorb and not to the point of this whole like undefined emotional authority thing. A lot of the things that I was struggling with before were not mine, which is why they were so painful because I couldn't do anything about it. But now the things that I struggle with are usually mine and I can do something about them it's not easy. Like it mm -hmm. takes time and it, you, you know, like practice, but it's so much better because I can actually control the things that are Laurie's to control. Yeah. And when you're absorbing baggage that doesn't belong to you, then yeah, that's a really frustrating space to be in. Um, I want to make sure that we talk about how to clear 
and realign and just kind of like re-up your own energetic space. Because learning how to clear and remove energies is, I mean, what I get paid for a lot of times, you know, but like it's also, and it's easier when somebody does it for you. You're like, oh, this is really nice, you know? <laughs> um, and it's something that you can absolutely do yourself mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, so how do you reset and clear your energy? Um, so I get really grounded and I imagine like earth energy moving up through my feet, up into my body and essentially like how we learned from the beginning, just going through each chakra as it moves up the body, spinning and clearing, um, imagining the colors with it, the feeling with it, and really just trying to pinpoint um, where these feelings inside of me are. So if I'm having like a pain point, where am I feeling that? I'm feeling it in my heart. And so I may like more so concentrate on that when I have, you know, and I still move through all the chakras, but like if I know something is in my heart space, um, really making that expansive and making it bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and I think that's the easiest example just cause you know, your heart is the portal to everything, sure. but you know, and then keep on moving up all the way up to our seventh chakra, um, in our crown, having that spill out all over my aura, um, down into the earth and letting it go. Um, that's like the easiest, simplest way I could uh, uh, like. Well, and that's still really, th- this is awesome, exactly what I'm talking about, you know, like that for, and I think for people who work with energy, we're so familiar with like an energy center or a chakra and where it is in our body that we know what it feels like when we're spinning energy through that and it opens up and it gets bigger, right? Right. And most people can associate what it feels like when your heart opens up. Right. Like, if you've ever had like a newborn baby put in your arms, like your heart opens up, like, mm-hmm. unless you're dead, it, <laughs> you know, like spills open and it's really overwhelming and, you know, like pure and clean. Um, but for people who are not familiar with that sensation, like, cause I think it goes both ways. I love this idea of, um, getting grounded. And we have talked about this. We're not going to get into it too hard today, but we are, we need to do a whole episode about grounding. So important. But this idea that you have a um, connection with the earth where it can pull out and, you know, like drain these energies that you're not using anymore and that you don't want in your space out of you. Sometimes we call it a grounding cord. You know, like where it's like a tube of energy wrapped around your hips and it extends down from your tailbone into the earth. And it pulls this energy that you're ready to release down into the earth. So you don't have to hold it anymore. And all of us kind of unconsciously have grounding cords most of the time. And when you work with somebody who's good at energy like that, like they will remove your grounding cord and replace it with a new one. And, you know, like help you fuel that out. But also you don't have to be that aware of it. Like it's why walking barefoot on the ground or like people when they go to the beach, you know, like they're always walking barefoot on the beach, like walking barefoot on the earth 
is grounding in a way that it pulls the energy from you that you're ready to release, right? That's why it feels so healing to do those things. Um, it's why gardening and like having your hands in the dirt feels really good because the earth literally pulls energy out of you that you're ready to release unconsciously a lot of times, you know, like without you even realizing it. It's why people love, um, like if you're religious and you go to church, you know, like being in a church is very grounding. And it is like this portal that starts to pull these energies that are heavy and weighing on you out. So sometimes it's a physical thing that you do, but sometimes it's seriously just a perspective or visualization process where you fall into these portals where the earth draws these energies out of you that you're trying to release. But the more you're aware of it, you don't even have to be that organized about it, y'all. Like I literally am like driving and I'll feel a pinch in my shoulder and be like, what's that pain about? What are you? Are you, do you even belong to me? You don't belong to me. You need to go now, you know? And like as quickly as I identify it, call it out, decide it's not mine, it vanishes, okay? So like, and physical manifestations and pains in your body are some of the most fascinating things, I think, when you're talking about removing energy that doesn't belong to you. Because we don't realize how much our bodies are telling us what needs to go. And we think there's something wrong with us. My, <clears throat> excuse me, my example of shaking. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Like that in that when you call out the thing physically that's happening and you, because sometimes I'll ask myself, is this mine? And I'll get the answer that, yeah, this is yours. Like <laughs> you need to work on it. But like anytime I ask, is it's mine? I'll get an immediate answer. No, it's not yours. Okay, well then you can go and just invite it out the door and it goes, you know? And so learning to play with this idea that you are just this vibrating mass of energy as much as you like to think that you are physically solid and separate from the air or the water or whatever, you know, like you're not. And the more you treat your physical body and your energy center and your aura and your energy field as such and start to identify things that are supposed to be there and not supposed to be there, things start to feel better and move better. And then if you are going to get really technical about it, like the way that you were speaking about it before, where you're like running earth energy up your legs, we're running cosmic energy down from the top of your head, we're moving all those things together and letting it spin through our chakras. When you think about spinning energy centers, like you always want to think about them spinning clockwise. Mm -hmm. And then as you feel them, like you don't have to know what your chakras are or what order they're in. You will feel it moving up and down the core of your body, you know, and as you feel these energies moving, allow things to get really big and spread out. Allow your heart center or your throat center to expand outside of where your physical body goes. Try and push it outside two, three, four, five feet outside of you that these things then start to make you feel so much better, so much more grounded, so much more whole and centered that then things like, oh, I went and hung out with my sister and she's having a bad day. And normally I'd feel like shit after having coffee with her. But today I actually feel okay. You know, yeah. like <laughs> even after she threw all this stuff at me, you know, and I was able to hold space, like it makes you, your barrier stronger. And then all of a sudden you're real aware of what's yours and what's not yours. And the world's just not such a scary, you know, place to operate in anymore. Where without these boundaries and without this conscious empathy, 
you are kind of a victim or a slave to absorbing things that aren't yours to begin with and that are really draining and hard to hold. No, ma'am. Not having it. Not anymore. <laughs> what else about empathy? Um, you know, um, I, I have a client who tells me that he's an empath and more so with like, um, spiritual energy that like he can't go into antique malls (laughs) (laughs) because these physical objects Mm -hmm. that once belonged to most likely a dead person, (laughs) um, still carries this hundred percent energy. Yeah. And that when he goes which he won't anymore, but like when he has been to antique malls or estate sales Mm -hmm. or anything like that, any sort of vintage situation, um, he can't handle it. I love this example. Yeah. Cause I feel him. Yeah. (laughs) I love antiques. Uh, my house is full of them. Um, but I have to consciously clear them of their vibration. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, uh, secondhand clothes yeah, or shoot, you know, like Buffalo exchange and, right. you know, like going to thrift stores and stuff like all of that stuff, even if they're not dead, like somebody else wore that, you know? Right. And so this is so fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's, I think like when it comes to physical objects like that, like antiques or vintage or like just secondhand, it's really important to really be conscious of what feels good. Yeah. Cause some of that shit, it may look cool, but you don't want that energy on your body or in your house. Or maybe if you do, you need to know how to clear that. I was shit. about to say, yeah, know, like, knowing what to do with it <laughs> and just trusting your instincts. Like yeah. a lot of times if it's something that's too heavy, you won't take it home. Yeah. You know, like you'll just for some reason be like, man, this isn't quite right. There's that place in Oklahoma that I want to go to that. Oh, didn't I send it to you? You did. We've talked about it. Um, yeah. I forgot what it's called. I, it's I some like to. funny name, but it's all like dead people stuff yeah and um some kind of oddities market or something yeah oh my gosh i want to go to that so bad (laughs) yes you know where um where i'm i really struggle with going is um zoos Mm -hmm. and places where animals are in captivity because of this empathetic you know like ability to know not always that they're unhappy Like some of them, it's not about like happiness. Like they're obviously fed and looked after and, you know, like, but more just this inner knowing that they know this is not how they were intended to live. That there's, it's kind of, it's the, it's the cheetah thing. It's the goddamn cheetah. Yeah. From Untamed. Where like the cheetah knows that she's not supposed to be fed a steak. Yeah. Like she knows she's supposed to be outside of that cage hunting and that the urge to do that, like she shouldn't know that she was born in captivity, you know, like she shouldn't know that that is her instinct, but she does because it's not just about this life experience that she's in, you know, like that there's greater things at play and that inability for some of those animals to follow those instincts the way that they're like lined up in them is really hard to understand when you're super empathetic like I am um and so yeah like things like zoos and captive 
animals is the more the more all y'all have babies and I go you know and do those kinds of things I have to really really ground and protect myself from receiving a lot of that information so you I know what's so funny about zoos because you know I love the zoo I know I love it too um where because in my mind like whereas yes if I really really get deep and think about it I do feel bad for the animals where I'm like god damn it they really don't belong here right like this isn't natural for them um like an elephant shouldn't be living in Fort Worth Texas like you know that's not naturally where they would be um there there's also this part of me that's like well for conservation's sake they're probably safer here than they are out with poachers and stuff but also just like the educational aspect like I you know that um, with kids, it's like such an easy, mm-hmm. especially COVID safe yeah. situation. Um, but where it pisses me off is when people tap on the glass and that's where I get really upset where I'm like, did your mother not teach you <laughs> that? Like, that is not okay. It already sucks for them that they're here. Yeah. Okay. And now you're like, you're just pissing me off with this that's where I get like, you know, what's interesting at the zoo. I've only ever seen that in the United States because I've been to a lot. Like I've been to Australia and I've been to Costa Rica and I've been to a lot of other places in the world where I'll go to a conservation center where they Mm -hmm. have animals that you can, you know, like, so in Australia, it was like, you go see kangaroos and koalas and, you know, like things that you only wombats and whatever. Um, and that those conservation centers in places outside of the States look very different than they do here. And people don't do that shit because if they do, they throw you out. Good. You know, like they have they a, a much higher respect for the wellness of the animal. And a lot of those places are open range. So like when I was hanging out with the kangaroos, they weren't in, they weren't behind a fence. Yeah. They weren't, in they were hopping closure. around with me, you know, like, and they, and people got kicked yeah. and people got, you know, like you had to be careful around them because they're wild animals, you know? And so I guess it's like give and take a little bit. Like it's probably safer to have them, you know, but that the integrity of the animal's experience is at the same level as the people watching them, you know? At Fossil Rim, like you're the one in your car. Correct. Yeah, you're the one trapped. Yeah, you're the one trapped. They're the ones who get to roam. And at Fossil Rim, I don't have quite as many anxiety issues around this, you know, because they are a little more free range. Um. One thing I cannot tolerate, though, is like aquariums. Really? I have zero ability to function in an aquarium for a twofold reason. Part of it is because those animals truly are trapped. They're supposed to be in an ocean, you know, like whatever size tank they're in will never pale in comparison to like what their natural environment's supposed to be about. And they do look me right in the eyeballs and tell me like I hate my life, you know? Mm-hmm. But also something about the pressure of the weight of the water against the glass, like, suffocates me, you know? I am, so yeah, like, aquariums are a hard pass where I'm concerned, which I hate because they're beautiful, you know? I know, like, they are um, so beautiful, but, like, yeah, it's that whole sea world thing. True. Well, like, and that, yeah. yeah, like, talk about it in respect to orcas and whales mm-hmm. and these huge animals that, you know, like, there's not a tank big enough in the world to emulate the way that they should be. Right. Um, but even fish. You know, like even an aquarium in somebody's house, as much as I think it's beautiful, like, yeah, it totally creates this weird, anxious space for me. Um, So, yeah, like being super empathetic. Sometimes we don't even realize why we like things or why we don't like things. And things like the aquarium 
it wasn't until I understood a lot of my own empathetic tendencies that I realized why I don't like it. I just knew I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And that it scared me and it made me sad and it made me anxious. And so I just didn't go to them, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to learn about. So many different types of empathy. So many different types of empathy and just learning how to remove and replenish your own energy sources mm-hmm. will change your life. So show. Um, I love this episode. I could talk about this all day, but oh we're not gosh. going to because yeah. we're um, ready to move on today. I love that we get to do this, Jessica. Same. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to us go on and on about all of our... Um, quirky energetic uh learnings you know and what's awarenesses. so funny laurie what is that sometimes we come up with these ideas for podcast episodes and i get really nervous and i'm like god i don't know if i have a whole lot to say about oh that god. that's like going to be a 15 minute episode Shh. and here we are 55 minutes in i know and i'm like okay never mind laurie and i can talk about anything it's true sorry this is on. why we're great podcast buddies <laughs> Uh, if you guys love this episode, send it to somebody that you think it could help and give us a little bit of feedback. We want to know how you're clearing your energy and working with your energy fields. You guys have a beautiful week and we will see you next Monday. <laughs>